We've got some angry fans down in the triangle, Tim, that we will address today. Buddy Beheim, an all-ACC first-teamer. We're going to get into that. Also, some hot stuff from the recruiting trail as well. Could Syracuse be in on another five-star? What would this be, the third five-star of the 2022 class? Hopefully, this <laughs> might be the one that actually comes to Syracuse. We'll dive into Sky Clark. And also, the Orange getting busy on the football recruiting trail as well. We'll tell you all about Lenoris Sellers on today's episode of the Locked on Syracuse podcast. You are Locked on Syracuse, your daily podcast on the Syracuse Orange. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. What's up and welcome in. This is the Locked on Syracuse podcast. We thank you for making us your first listen every single day. Today's episode of Locked on Syracuse is brought to you by Run Your Pool. March Madness is here and Run Your Pool has a better way to create your bracket. Go to runyourpool.com, the premier sports pool hosting service. All right, Sam, we've got a ton to get to, some basketball. We'll also get to some football stuff and a lot of recruiting along the way as well. But we start with Buddy Beheim, who was named to the all-ACC first team list this uh, today we're recording this on a Monday, right? Uh, but he was so he was named to the list yesterday, and the folks in Durham, the folks in Chapel Hill, the folks just from ACC basketball legacy media are not happy, and I'm not quite sure why. I find this very odd. He was the leading scorer, right, in the conference. And he needed a 30-point game to get there. Now, I don't think that 30-point game necessarily put him over the top. I think he was probably going to make this list, whether he got 30 points or whether he got 20 points. If he goes out and gets 10 points, probably not an all-ACC first-teamer. I think that little that little pad at the end sort of helped him. But I, I don't get the, the frustration that you're seeing from a lot of folks. Cough, cough, Brendan Marks. Yeah, Brendan Marks, who covers UNC and Duke for the Athletic, was the one who first tweeted it out and said, personally, he was on my third team and said something like, Buddy Beheim being on first team is something. And then he pointed to his premature senior night celebration as a reason why he shouldn't be on the first team, which Doesn't I just he cover Duke. I mean, <laughs> did you right, see what like, happened over the weekend? I, I just don't understand what negative comes from that buddy pointing DJ Liddell the, had a senior night and he's a junior like well, yeah I, I think he's talking about the specific play where buddy hits a turnaround jumper and then on his way back down the court pointed at the court and said something like this is my home you mm -hmm. can clear clearly see yeah. him out like is that an issue or, or maybe it's the video I, I just I'm so baffled by that part of it I mean wasn't but, the the entire Duke weekend wasn't that a premature senior night celebration too? and it backfired yeah and right well, like it's not like he's a Duke writer he's Duke and UNC mm -hmm. and I guess you could say that he watched him in the first Duke game this year go two for 15 so he saw probably Buddy's worst game but I mean why was he surprised by this the guy led the conference in scoring when has a player who led the conference in scoring ever not been on the first team? And was he really expecting Buddy to come up on the third team? Or other people were tweeting, I didn't have him on any team at all. It's fine if you want to make the case that advanced stats are not as good for Buddy as some other players, but I think you're just overthinking it at that point. The guy led yeah. the conference in scoring. You put him on the first team all ACC and you move on, and he did it against tight defense all year. Let's flush this out a little bit here, okay? Because there's a couple of little angles that I want to take on this. Because, first of all, 
it's not like this was some cornucopia of talent in the conference this year. I know. Right. <laughs> like he is, he is being told that he is one of the five best players in a bad ACC. I mean, there's not a lot of first round draft picks. There's not a lot of NBA draft picks. You got to put two conference. guards on that team and who else is going to be there? Right. Exactly. Like, or, I mean, Sebron, they're 15th in the ACC. No thanks on Sebron. I think he's a good player, but most improved player, him winning that is is fine for me. It's not like he won player of the year. Like, if he won yeah. player of the year, I think you, both you and I would be on here saying, like, that's eh, a nice award, but is this retribution for maybe Jim Brown not winning or Don McPherson not winning the Heisman? Like, <laughs> is this what this is? Um, I don't know. But, like, I, I look at it as he didn't win player of the year. He shouldn't have won player of the year. There are a number of players in the ACC that were better than him. If he was on the second team, I wouldn't scoff at it. But to, to say that you're frustrated that he's a first team member, I think is a little high horsey to me. I also look at it too as, I mean, this isn't a team award either. And it's not like Syracuse was 14th or 15th in the conference. I mean, they weren't great, but they're top 10 in, in the ACC. And I'm not saying that's like some, some high pedestal that we're putting him on here, but it wasn't like he played on the worst team in the ACC either. I mean, he yeah. played on a, a team that was jumbled up in the middle of a very mediocre conference. And he was by far and away the best player on that team. And he was in most games this season, the best player on the floor. Right. So he did get the fifth most votes on the first team. And I think if I was voting, he would have been my fifth you know, most yeah. deserving first team player. Cameron McGusty got 315 votes, but he got 241. But then there's a drop off to the second team guys. Keve Aluma leads the second team at 192. Next guard on the second team is Sebron at 166. I was pretty shocked that Mark Williams, I think he probably had a better case on the first team than yeah. being for him to be third team was shocking to me. He did win defensive player of the year, which I think was deserving, but there's little things in the voting process that I think we always joke about. And usually Syracuse is on the wrong end of this, but I just don't get how buddy considering his stats, he was second in the ACC and free throw percentage. He was taking on a bulk of the defensive attention each and every game, getting fouled a lot. And he was consistent. I, I know that Duke game was bad, but since that game, I looked through 12 games since then, he scored at least 14 points in every game. And pretty much he was a lock for 20 points each and every night, taking on great defensive attention and all that. So, and it's not like he wasn't that efficient. I mean, 34% from three in the volume he was taking is fine. 40% from the floor, not great, but I think it's the advanced stats. It's people digging down the rabbit hole of trying to figure out how much he is a value to that individual team mm -hmm. based on his defense and other stats outside of the normal counting statistics and thinking they're just outsmarting the system by not paying attention to the points per game. But again, I think that's just overthinking it. You look at it too. He draws the best matchup every single night. It, it, when you look at that first team list, who had less help than Buddy Beheim? Like seriously, like who had less help? He was the focal point of every single scouting report. And especially once Jesse went down, there was no number two on that team that came to play on a consistent basis. Sure, you had little pop-ups from time to time, but think about what we do every single preview show. We do the prop shop, and we always get into the question of who is going to lead Syracuse in scoring, and Buddy Beheim is the favorite in the clubhouse every single time, and for good reason, because you and I have to try to talk ourselves out of Buddy Beheim every single time. 
because every single matchup is good for Buddy. Almost every single one out there. And even when there are bad matchups, he still goes out and has some good games in those matchups too. So to, to see the frustration, like I wouldn't come on here and, and let's say he he was named to the second team. I wouldn't be banging the drama out of frustration if he was on the second team because I see that. But for people to be up in arms that he's a first teamer and to be yeah. up in arms and saying that he's more close, that he's closer to the third team than he is the first team, I think is absurd because if he was a second teamer, he would be the guy that's getting the most votes on that second team. Yeah, and I think what you hit on earlier is the big point. It's not like there's some deep talent pool this year at the guard position. It's like Dane Goodwin, Blake Wesley, uh, Sebron, who we mentioned, you could say LaRavia, I guess, is kind of a mm -hmm. forward type that was on the second team. Wendell Moore, I mean, you see a better basketball player than Buddy Beheim, probably. But again, if I was voting, I probably would have put Buddy first team because not only are his points per game literally leading the conference, but the guy doesn't turn it over that much either. And I no. feel like he doesn't get enough credit for that. And with Last the minutes game, he plays too, like yeah. for him to not turn it over and handle the ball as much as he does. Right. Last four games, he has not committed a turnover. And it just sort of is understood that he's going to do that to an extent. He's sixth in the conference in turnover rate, according to Ken Palm. So based on the amount of times he's touching the ball and the amount of minutes he's playing, you would think that that would be potentially a problem is turnovers. He's averaging 1.8 turnovers per game. That doesn't sound great, but you got to factor in that he's sixth based on percentage of possessions he's getting and how often he's turning it over in the conference. That's an underrated stat for him that if you're going to go down the advanced stat rabbit hole, like at least pay attention to that as well. I'll never understand the buddy Bayheim hate. I, I really won't. And to quote Jim Bayheim, and comes from our people. Like you hear that from him. <laughs> like it does. And I don't get it. I, I really don't. He has been the best player on this team for two seasons. He took him on a sweet 16 run. Did things go bad this year? Yeah. But it wasn't buddy Bayheim's fault. I mean, without buddy Bayheim. I mean, not not to go on the 10 bleeping games, but like without Buddy, this team is 13th or 14th, maybe even 15th in the ACC. Like imagine if he had gone down with an injury. I know people will point to Jesse as the right. big injury this season, and that's a key cog. And, and yes, losing Jesse hurts tremendously, but losing Buddy Beheim would have been far more detrimental to this team. So that's the part I don't get. And I just look at, too, as some of these fringe guys who are sitting there on the doorstep of the first team. And when we talk about that, the ACC was really bereft of talent this year. You think about some of these pop-up teams that had good seasons, like Notre Dame, Miami, Wake Forest. Those weren't teams that were spurred by individuals. Those were teams that were just older. They were right. just better teams. They were a cohesive unit, much better than what Syracuse or some of the other middling teams in the ACC were this year. And that, for that reason alone, I'm, that's why I'm not upset about um, some of those guys not getting a first team nod because they weren't the ones necessarily spearheading those teams. They were part of a collective. Now, were there guys that were a part of those teams that did get honors? Yeah, like Alondis Williams deserved to be on that first team, right? I don't think there was much of a debate there because he was also a great scorer and he propelled Wake Forest. But, I mean, the, the Jake LaRavia crowd, you're not going to get me there. Wendell Moore, I mean, he's probably, what, the third or fourth best player on his team? Yeah. So, like, it's tough to make that sort of argument for me. I think A.J. Griffin maybe should be on a, yeah. on a, based on how he played against Syracuse. Now, also just watching him, A.J. Griffin led the conference in three-point shooting, but he didn't play for a good chunk of the year as well, mm -hmm. kind of before conference time, I guess. But still, he was fighting injury at the start of the year. 
I don't know. It's kind of a challenging year to do this exercise, but I just find it very odd that it came as a surprise to guys like Brendan Marks or to other people that he was on the first team because again, I'd love for someone to go back and go individually, but I'm willing to bet that if you lead your conference in scoring, it's like 99.9% of the time you are on the first team all conference. Now you should, is that lazy? Like some people are then going to push back and say, well, that's because people just look at the stats and they don't watch the games and they just, I love watching the games. games Yeah. Yeah. That guy. (laughs) But like, if you watch the games, then you would understand the games. The case actually strengthens. Yeah. (laughs) But he's getting fouled a ton and he's the only guy on the team that could do anything. Just go watch the Miami game. Just go back to the most recent game. And like, is he limited defensively? Yes. But the guy is exceeding expectations pretty much anytime he's on the court, considering the amount of pressure he's getting, he's not turning it over. He hit big shots. I just don't know how you can leave him off the first team. I maybe I, I shouldn't say that. Maybe if he's on the second team and Mark Williams is on the first team, I'm not that upset, but to say he shouldn't be on any of the teams or to be flabbergasted that he made a team. And then to say that it was his pre-game senior day celebration that rubbed you the wrong way. It's just really outlandish. Yeah. Listen, the moral of the story here is like, if you're a buddy Bayheim hater, I, I don't know what to tell you. Like right. there's nothing that you should be hating about buddy Bayheim in a, in all reality. Like he is, consummate Syracuse basketball and, and he deserves his flowers and I'm, I'm glad he got the ACC first team and this isn't the Syracuse Homer in in either of us either no like, we're not this, homers usually we're, I we're, mean this isn't Homer yeah. radio you don't get that here we give you the stuff that sometimes the athletic department doesn't like to hear you'll get that on this program so we will get into some recruiting stuff to Syracuse eyeing another five-star in the class of 2022 so we will break down that in just a little bit but boy do I love March Madness and I love those brackets but I can't remember the last time I actually went deep or even won any money I'm hedging my bets this year with Stat Heroes NCAA Pick'em Contest NC Stat Heroes NCAA single game pick'ems pits the star players against each other in an amazing hybrid between fantasy and sports gambling take control back from those handicappers that always seem to have the advantage and start focusing on the players you know best with a gameplay that doesn't rely on big spreads, long odds, or funky props. Stat Hero gives you the advantage resulting in their gamers winning four times more often. Why? Because Stat Hero eliminates the mystery about who or what you are going up against. They post sets of players for you to take on with the set of players you choose. And with Stat Hero, it's the easiest and fastest way to get your sports action fixed. The simple, sleek gameplay will have you playing in minutes. This is exactly what Daily Fantasy is meant to be. Here's what I'm doing. I'm going to, in the ACC tournament, I'm going with some Buddy Bayheim. all right? Because now that <laughs> Brendan Marks is stirring things up, Buddy Bayheim Revenge Tour, it starts now. So sign up for free right now at stathero.com slash locked on and use promo code Locked on for a 100% match. That's stathero.com slash locked on. Use the promo code locked on for a 100% match. Stathero.com slash locked on. Promo code locked on. Terms and conditions apply. So Syracuse fans got some good-ish news, I guess, on this this late Monday, early Tuesday. Our buddy James Zuba forwarded us a tweet, too, with some of this information, but... The crux of it is, in case you're not into the weeds of recruiting and all that stuff, over the weekend, one of the top recruits in the country, Sky Clark, five-star point guard, he was committed to Kentucky and decommits. 
And since then, Travis Branham from 24-7 Sports tweeted out that since he decommitted, Sky Clark has heard from Illinois, Tennessee, Arizona State, Syracuse, Georgetown, Xavier, the Overtime League, and the G League, amongst others. Since reopening his recruitment, Kentucky will still be an option. If we've learned anything from the decommitment cycles, Kentucky is no longer an option. Right. right? I think we <laughs> I can agree. throw a big blue nation out. Unless you're Patrick Tepay, apparently, and you <laughs> spend exactly. two days in between Duke and then go back, and right. that didn't really work out. But yeah. But getting into Sky Clark here, this would be a, an absolute send sure. from the heavens here if Syracuse <laughs> could get in uh, on Sky Clark. I mean, talk about kind of curing everything that you sort of need talent and point guard play. This is all that in one. I guess the only thing you're not really adding here is experience, but when you've got talented guys, talented point guards, Sky Clark's certainly one of those guys, ranked 27th on 24-7 right now. This would completely alter this class of 2022, the one that was supposed to bring so much promise to this program and since has seen two guys, McDonald's All-American caliber players, decommit this would be a breath of fresh air for what should have been one of the best classes that this program's ever had. Yeah. I would still file it. Like you're saying in the unlikely camp at this point, just because mm. Syracuse is competing with some really good schools here. His original final four was Kentucky who he committed to the first time UCLA, Memphis, UNC. He's throwing in G league overtime elite. I mean, he's got a lot of people that would want his services next year mm -hmm. and they're willing to pay a lot of money for his services next year. I'm sure. Yep. So, but I think Syracuse is doing the right thing here. You reach out to a guy like this yeah. and it kind of gets into a different conversation of, all right, what does this mean for Judah Mintz? Does this mean that Copeland might not be coming? I think all that stuff that it's not an overreaction, but to me, this just boils down to a five-star player who could really help Syracuse next year is back on the market. You're not doing your job if you don't reach out and yeah. at least start to gauge interest there because he would elevate your program. And as much as you recruit by position and you try not to over-recruit or under-recruit players and respect that, it's, it's a five-star player that can really elevate yes. your program. So you go after him. For the people who say this class already has five guys in it. What We don't need more volume. And, and I've been in that camp too in the past, but it's different when it's a five-star guy because he's not all of us. He's not joining the class to be your sixth guy. Like if this guy was some off the board, 350th ranked guy, I'm saying, what's the point? But right. this is a guy who would he be the sixth out of your class? Yes. But he's the number one player in your class. And that stuff matters. You need this is going to be a team that's that's itching for talent next season. We've talked about this. It's going to be one that is going to need some reinforcements, whether you get it through the transfer portal, whether you see guys take steps up, whether you get some guys back that maybe you weren't anticipating having back. All of it boils down to creating the roster and building back some of the talent that you're going to need. Because, listen, you're losing an all ACC first teamer from a season yeah. ago. You are. <laughs> And if you bring in a guy like Sky Clark, I think all of this sort of softens the blow a little bit and makes you feel a lot better about this team heading into next year. Now, the other question, which you kind of brought up, too, is what does this mean for Judah Mintz? Is Syracuse now out of the running for someone like Judah Mintz? And to that, I would say I don't necessarily think it means they're out of the running, 
but you're at a late stage right now of this recruiting process. I mean, it's March. Like yeah. a lot of these guys have already made their decisions, but when you have late decommits from programs like Mints and, and like a, a Sky Clark, you need to keep your options open. You need to cast a wide net, especially for a team that's going to have a lot of turnover and especially for a team that needs to get back to winning too. Like th this team needs to get back to winning or otherwise you're really going to upset the, the bulk of the fan base. Yeah. On the note of Judah Mintz, he has gotten two crystal balls to DePaul recently, but then right before we hit record today, earlier in the day, there was a tweet from that page inside the portal, which also tweeted out mm -hmm. Joe Girard's apparently transferring <laughs> at the end of the year. They're, They've had some really head-scratching ones. I think Baycott's transferring, according to their sources, at the end of the year as well. Everyone's transferring. You're, we're redrafting all 350-something teams next Right. Year. So they tweeted, source just confirmed with Inside the Portal, I, I try not to laugh as I say this, that four-star Judah Mintz has committed to DePaul. Expect an announcement sometime soon. And then Judah Mintz, which I think is a legend move here, replies to their tweet and says, cut it out, period. <laughs> so... <laughs> This, I don't know that, if that means he's not committing to DePaul. I don't know if that means he's committing to Syracuse, but I thought that was funny that, you know, clearly the crystal balls is something that I will take with some credence a little bit. The inside the portal stuff is is nonsense, and I think it's funny that Mintz called them out. But I feel like Bayheim was sort of talking like there were already six guys committed sort of subconsciously a couple times in his coaches' shows and stuff, and that gave me hope that Mintz was coming. But the, the crystal balls to DePaul are a little bit of a red flag for me. We'll see where he commits. It seems like it's probably two weeks away from that decision. I find Mintz doing something like that on Twitter. I, I love when, when that stuff happens. Like, yeah. Cut it out. It's just a great way to, of doing it. Like, remember that guy? He was like this quote-unquote NBA insider a couple of years ago. And he he was a student at USC at the time. And Hell he yeah, whiffed on he whiffed on everything. Like people built this dude up. Like he had 350,000 followers on Twitter wow. or something like that. And people thought he was getting scooped. Like he got every scoop wrong. And it was, I think his name was like Ari or Aram or something like that. I can't remember, but like this, this, if that's what inside the portal is sort of giving me the vibes of is like, yeah. I got some, some dirty laundry from some rando a fan account DMing him and, and now wants to blast it out on the internet for everyone to see. I, yeah. I, I find that stuff hilarious. I, I really do. And, and it's like the inner workings of, of what we work in, but like it's, it's hilarious to me. It also is just the downside of social media and yeah. this whole, I mean, cause part of me thinks Judah Mintz might be saying that because he's not committed to DePaul, but also part of me thinks he just doesn't want his moment to be spoiled. Yeah. And I'm all Too for fooled. that. That's what yeah. frustrates me a lot. And we've talked about a lot with the football recruits on crystal balls and stuff. Just like, what is it? Does it gain you a little bit of an ego pump to an hour before the recruit makes the decision, get it out there and, and beat him to the punch when it's an 18 year old kid. And this is one of the best moments of his life. And he's worked hard for that moment. Yeah, I, I can't wait for the recruit who literally flips because a dude spoiled his with a crystal ball. Like, oh, I'm going to stick it to this guy. Uh, Travis Branham, yep, I'm going somewhere else. <laughs> I, I would love for, for some guy. And, and, like, it's part of his uh, commitment speech and everything like that. I think that would be hilarious. Um, all right, so, yeah, that's the Sky Clark news. Hopefully we'll have some, some more, but I, I'd love to see Syracuse land one of these guards down the stretch here. I think it would really bolster the recruiting class that – 
quite frankly, has slipped a little bit. We were talking about this class one time as being a top 10 and holding sturdy, and all of a sudden it's dropped all the way down to 24. So something that we will certainly be monitoring as the weeks and months move along here. Also, don't forget that you got to check out the Locked On Bracket Breakdown starting March 14th right here on the Locked On Syracuse podcast feed and on our YouTube channel. College basketball experts Chris Gordy, Andy Patton, and betting expert Lee Sterling give you in-depth breakdowns on every matchup. Also, we will get into some more recruiting stuff with football because Lenora Sellers is on his way. So we will dive into what the quarterback can do for this orange football program. And even though football may be over, basketball is in full steam for both pro and college hoops from all the latest odds, player totals, performance props, and all that stuff to where the next fired coach is going to land. BetOnline.net is the number one spot for all your sports betting needs. BetOnline remains the best spot for all your sports scores, podcasts, and news this season. It's not just hoops either. BetOnline.net is your source for hockey, boxing, and UFC odds as well. So head on over to the website or use your phone to learn more about the trends and action. BetOnline, where the game starts. Also want to tell you guys about Run Your Pool March Madness. Only about a week away now. We're getting so close. I cannot wait. And that means you need to start thinking now about where you're going to be running your brackets this year. Are you going for the usual or are you looking for the best? We've done our homework here and we're running our brackets with runyourpool.com. Along with standard brackets, Run Your Pool offers game types like Survivor or Pick X. They have options set at scoring and they offer more intel to make your picks. All the stuff you won't find at ESPN. Or CBS, if you've got a business, Run Your Pool can help you take some of that madness magic and play alongside your employees or even gain customers. Clearly, we believe in Run Your Pool because, like I said, we're running our brackets there ourselves. There's no truer test than that. If you want to play against us for a shot at a cash prize, join us at runyourpool.com backslash locked on. And while you're there, create your own pool for your friends and family. Enter Pure Madness at checkout for $10 off your custom pool. All the rules and details will be available there. That's runyourpool.com backslash locked on for your chance to win a cash prize. We look forward to seeing and beating you there. A little bit of football talk. We haven't gotten into much on the gridiron as of late. And of course, with hoop season in full swing. But this is a, a nice little piece of news that we got over the weekend or rather over the week. Uh, but Lenora Sellers is committing to Syracuse one time commit to Virginia. So when you do the, the inner workings and follow the breadcrumbs there, Robert and I, Jason Beck, they leave Virginia. They come to Syracuse. He gets an offer pretty much right away. And what do you know? He ends up with Syracuse. And this is a real quarterback talent, too, that Syracuse yeah. is bringing in here. It, the, it may say three stars, but right now ranked inside the top 650 nationally. Now, he is 2023, but this is one of the important things that you and I like to talk about because you like to get a quarterback in every single class. But when that quarterback is one of your first commits of said class, that means something. And getting it out of the way, and I shouldn't say getting it out of the way because that makes it seem like it's right. a medial sort of task, but... Being able to check this off this early in the process means you got your guy. And when you get your guy, then it's on coaching. Then it becomes a coaching thing. Can you develop him? Because you no longer have the excuse, ah, he was fifth or sixth on our list to get. No, this is March 7th, 2022. You got a 2023 quarterback. You got your guy. He still has another year of football to play in high school. You can't mess this one up. Yeah, and how many times has it been that way in the Dino era? I feel like usually I mean, how many times are you the, getting the year of guy in March? Right. That's and the problem. You're, 
just sort of like crap. We, we still haven't reeled in a quarterback. Let's try and grab one or two here. And you're, you're not getting the guy you targeted, the priority target from that position. Seems like Syracuse is already after a 2024 quarterback as well. And I just think this is another reason why I'm really optimistic about the direction of football under Anai and Jason Beck is Beck is just a different sort of sales pitch that we haven't had. Like he's one of the better quarterback coaches in the country based on what he's done so far. And this is why you bring in a new offensive coordinator, a new quarterback coach like Jason Beck, because you need to get talent in there. You need to get better recruits in there at the quarterback position. We have whiffed time and time again. And sellers is a guy six, three, two fifteen, dual threat option, physical, mm -hmm. Had an offer from Virginia Tech. Obviously, the offer from Virginia initially, Washington State, Memphis, a solid guy. App and that's State an offer too. sheet. Like, keep in mind, the offer sheet is still early in the process for him. He got hurt last year when he was really starting to take a leap. So you can make a case that if he doesn't get hurt, his offer sheet's looking even better. You could also make a case that he's coming off an injury. It's a little riskier to take him, maybe, but I think you could be onto something here and guys have already talked about him as a diamond in the rough type prospect, because if he didn't get hurt, maybe Syracuse wouldn't have been able to get him. If he continued on the trajectory, he was going. I look at it too, in the fact that, I mean, this could be, and I know it's going to make some people cringe, but the, in terms of the practice and the process, this was right. But when Syracuse got Tommy DeVito, and he started going to some of those summer camps and the Elite 11 stuff, and then he started to make some noise as a senior in high school, and you saw some of these other offers roll in. The process there was right. Say what you want about Tommy DeVito's Syracuse career, but landing him for Dino Babers, the process and everything was there and correct, and the way that they held on and retained him throughout all of that potential poaching, it was the correct way to go about things, and, and you, that in and of itself was a success in landing right. someone like Tommy DeVito and with sellers, like you're right. And I'm not as hesitant to take, or I'm not as hesitant to take a risk on a guy who may get injured in high school because young guys heal like, and with yeah, modern I medicine, I mean, look at all these guys now that come off of ACLs and then put together some of their best years of football. I, it doesn't worry me as much. And especially at the quarterback position too, where even if he is a dual threat guy and got hurt, well, maybe you can turn him into a, a pocket passer and he can still be some sort of physical runner for you too. Maybe not have the same speed he once had, but I'm still I'm still optimistic that young guys heal. Modern medicine has caught up to the point where injuries scare me less and less. But I look at sellers too as this is something that I'm still keeping my eye on because he does have another season to play there is the potential that Dino Babers could get fired. If Dino Babers gets fired and Robert and I and Jason Beck aren't part of the plans and Lenora Sellers tears it up in his senior season, there's no guarantee he ends up going to Syracuse as a result of that. Yeah, and I guess that gets back into the conversation of what did John Wildhack tell Robert and I and Jason Beck when he hired them? Did he tell them that, regardless of what happens this year, we're committed to you guys and we're committed to Dino still because it's really hard to hire someone and have that hanging over. So we will never know the answer maybe to that question, but part of me thinks that maybe 
as much as this might upset the fan base, maybe John Wildhack said, all right, in order to get these guys, we've got to pretty much promise two more years, at least for Dino Babers. And regardless of what happens this year, Dino might be coming back still. But I'm very confident that this year is a better year and they make progress this year. And then that's when sellers would come in. You've also got Lampson. You've also got Jacoby and Morgan. Things can change. The Michigan kid Valari's in the mix now. But that's a lot of dual threat options there. I like that they're yeah. trending towards dual threat. And I think Dino has definitely made that realization that it's easier to have a dual threat in my offense and whatever this new offense is with an eye as well. But also, it's just easier to have one skill type so that when you go to the second or third string in practice, you're not changing the playbook. You're not doing the DeVito Schrader back and forth offensive right. thing like you had to do last year. And I look at it, too, as you're getting more talent in that room. And I just hope this is a guy that can throw because it seems like he can. Yeah, the leg, the legs are great and all. And, and again, I haven't watched any of his tape, but I, quite frankly, he's got a I think, quick release. I, I think and that's what stood out to me. I think yeah. someone compared it, a recruiting analyst to Ryan Nassib a little bit, how it's just very quick. And there's definitely like when we watch Garrett Schrader throw, you can see mechanically some things need to be tweaked. I think it's yeah. a little more mechanically sound right now than Garrett yeah. Schrader, but he is a dual threat guy. I, I do think like the exercise of, of looking at high school tape can be a futile effort because a it, it's highlights. You're never going to see the low lights sure. of a guy like that. Um, but also so much changes too, by the time he does get to, to college. And by the time he actually takes the field in college, I'm sure his delivery is going to look a little bit different. I'm sure his footwork's going to look a little bit different. A lot of things are going to change in that regard, but this is a, a big ad for Syracuse. And now you the coaching staff, as, as we sort of saw play out, is going to dictate whether or not he ends up coming to Syracuse. Because if Beckin and I aren't a part of the equation at Syracuse come yeah. 2023, well, then Lenore Sellers isn't going to be part of the equation at Syracuse. He's probably just going to follow those guys wherever they go. And they're surely going to land on their feet somewhere as they did at Syracuse. And I, I, I would imagine if Dino Babers were to get fired, they would find another home after that as well. But certainly a promising thing to bring in a guy like this. Hopefully it's the start of a little bit of momentum. Um, because Lord knows this, this program needs a lot of talent infused into it. Yeah. Not just at quarterback, offensive line, receiver, across the board. It just needs more talent. And this is a building block and a piece that once you have the quarterback, that sort of attracts the offensive linemen. Like, remember when we had Enrique Cruz on the show way back when, one of our first like couple months sure. of doing these shows? Part of the reason why he was drawn to Syracuse was because he liked the quarterback that came as a part of his class in Justin Lampson. And that's that's intriguing to some of these guys. And when you can build up the offensive line through your quarterback commit, that's a good thing. And that's something that this program really needs to start to build on is snowballing recruiting because they have not done that one bit. Right. And they want that's another reason why it's great to get a quarterback early, even more so than other positions, is quarterback is a focal point of your recruiting class. And guys definitely pay attention to that future recruits when they're evaluating how's the program trending. I think I don't even know if Sellers has made a visit officially to Syracuse. So just going off what you were saying, he's gonna go where Beck and I are going. I think that's a huge reason why he went to yeah. Virginia or said he was gonna go to Virginia and why he's committing here. So you're on to something for sure with that. It seems like 
Beck is a big reason or Anai is a big reason why we got sellers for sure. Right. All right. We will be back tomorrow getting you ready for the ACC tournament, Syracuse and Florida State. It's the Nooner. We got the Nooner slate all the way across the board here on, for Syracuse as we venture through the ACC tournament. Will it be one and done for the Orange or can they make a little bit of a run? We are going to dive into all of that and more tomorrow. Thanks so much for listening. We'll talk to you guys on Wednesday. Oh.